Moral Revolution community, welcome back to our podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. We're gonna dive into all things God's design for healthy sexuality. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Moral Revolution podcast. And those of you who are watching on YouTube, we're happy to actually be seen by you. We're so excited for today's episode because honestly, it answers so many questions that blow up our DMs every day in our <laughs> inbox because this is a serious struggle for so many stories. You're probably asking, who is this attractive woman next to Caitlin and this mildly attractive man next to her? Uh, these are our friends, Gabriel and Debbie Hayes. So they are awesome. Some of you may recognize them. They have, they're, they're digital marketers. They do a lot of stuff on social media. We've been friends with them now for over three years. We actually moved to Reading. Around the same time. Literally, within weeks, And Debbie helped me unpack. So that was the sign of this is going to be a true friendship because she Has came in and folded my underwear. Over three years. <laughs> I did. Over three years. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> they came and said they would never go to BSSM. They're both uh, now went to BSSM. <laughs> Debbie's yeah. in it. Uh, Gabriel was in it. Um, but, man, it's kind of been cool because as we've built friendship and we've been here, we've also done it together. We've experienced community together. Yeah. And as we've gotten to know them, you know, we've been on vacations together and weekends together, holidays together. We deep fried a turkey together. Yeah, we did. I still have your fryer, and I use your fryer all the time, by the way. Yeah, we did. You need to get it back. Yeah. That's yeah. true. And That's we babysit each other's kids so that we can go on our own sex vacations without our four kids. Very so they true. had four, we had four. We watch eight kids so that we can vote. Which, right now, two of our third years are watching all eight of our kids <laughs> as we do this. Pray for them. A sexcation. Yeah. Like sexcation. There we yeah. go. Uh, so, <laughs> anyways, this is the Moral Revolution podcast. If you didn't know to put your headphones, if you're in around little yeah. kids, put those in now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, but what we really want to go after a really challenging topic um, because their story has so much authority and power in it yeah. because of what they've went through. But there were a lot of years of pain in it. Yeah. And now that they're on the other side of it, it's so incredible to see it. But what's so powerful is they have so many incredible steps and tips that they can give to other people now. Their testimony is becoming a point of freedom and breakthrough for people. And it's just continuing to grow. They've shared in some of the settings that we've led in as we pulled them into our AMTs with BSSM here at Bethel. And we're really excited to share their story with all of you. Um, certain, whether you're in marriage or you're not, regardless of where you're at in your season of life, you're going to get a a lot out of this podcast as we dive into their story. So before we get fully into your story, sure. you know, we introduced you a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit more about who you are, your beautiful kids, whatever you want to share. Yeah. So we're Gabriel and Debbie Mays. Uh, we have four kids. They are 13, 10, 8, and 4. Wow. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're venturing into... He said, into, wow, and they're his kids. Wow. We're venturing like, into oh, the yeah, teenage wow. years, so we feel very yeah. <laughs> excited about that. He actually just turned 13 yesterday. Yep, just yeah. yesterday, Big so... Deal. We're, we, we managed day one with the teenagers. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Four kids, two poodles. We run our own business here in downtown Reading, and we've been doing that now since we've been here, and yeah. madly in love. Yep. I'm originally from England. Uh, we met in Bible school, and Gabriel's from Texas. <laughs> I love how Gabriel said madly in love, and the next De thing out of Debbie's <laughs> mouth was, and I'm from England. <laughs> So you're both madly in love. We awesome. We are, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Successful marriage. Yes, for 15 years now. Yep. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. Now, let's just jump to the chase. Yep. It wasn't always fun. No way. And there was some significant points of pain. Huge. Um, I don't want to take away from your story or you telling your story. So yep. let me just throw it to you guys. Okay. Yep. Let's talk about your story. Yep. How did you get to this point yep. of where you're at? That's great. So we'll, we'll start off just to give you guys some context. I'll share a little bit about my childhood and, and kind of my life growing up, going into marriage, and then what it was like um, very different for Debbie. Yeah. So my story, and we're not going to start like when I was born, but, um, but it does start <laughs> so back. So I was conceived. When I was conceived. <laughs> um, no, but at, at the age of five, I was introduced to pornography. And it's a huge part of my life. Like pornography is something that has been there as long as I can remember. And the way that I was introduced to porn, a friend of mine, his uncle had a mad stash of old VHS porn tapes under his bed. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. So he invited me to come over to his house and um, he goes into his uncle's bedroom and he pulls out this box and he takes a tape out. And at the time, of course, I have no idea what's happening. 
and he pops it into the VHS player and hits the play button, and then right in front of me, for the very first time, I'm seeing two people have sex. And it was actually a, a porn parody around Beauty and the Beast. I don't want to get to but I can actually still remember the entire porn scene. And then my friend went on to teach me how to masturbate. And when it was all said and done, hit the eject button and put the tape back inside of the cardboard box and then slide it back under the table. And he told me, don't tell anyone about this. And that's kind of how my introduction to porn began. And so there I was already learning behaviors. Yeah. Right? I was learning that porn was something that you hide, you put away. Um, it's not for anyone else to know about. And so I took that and actually carried it into a lot of my childhood. I did to other boys what he did to me. I would teach other boys how to masturbate and I would introduce them to porn. And it just became part of my life, part of my everyday life. And so if you fast forward into my you know, later years, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, my stepdad, he was a very abusive man. So he was abusive physically, verbally, um, but also sexually. Like just to kind of give you an idea, uh, the very first time that I saw a girl naked, he was a registered nurse at a hospital and there was a girl that was in a coma and to teach me about the anatomy of a female body, he degowned her and taught me about a clitoris and how to finger a girl. And it's just a very twisted individual. Obviously, that man is no longer in our life, but that'll give you some context. And it just got heavy real fast. Like, almost like, that holy, just got like, whoa, yeah. deep breath. I know, I know that. I've heard you share that many yeah. times, and I'm still yeah. like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah super traumatic. Movie. And, um, and so, you know, just in, you know, terms of having sex with girls or pornography, that whole sexual side of me was something that was hidden. The other side, uh, my family, we went to church. My mom was the worship pastor for 12 years. My dad played on the worship team and I would see them go to church and be up on stage and, you know, moving the power of God. My mom is an amazing, powerful woman of God. And I would see things happen at church, but then we'd go home and in between Sundays, you know, my stepdad is raging. Um, I'm engaging with him in sexual activities. I'm watching porn. And I got really, really good at, at hiding this. At no one had any idea what was going on. And it wasn't because I was, I think, embarrassed of it. It was just, I just learned that this is something that you kind of keep private to yourself. So I took that with me all the way through high school, having sex, sleeping around, looking at porn, crazy addictions, and even to Bible college. So we went to... A, a place called Rockford Master's Commission, which is where I actually met Debbie. Yep. And in Master's Commission, leading worship, uh, as a third-year student, I was the head worship leader of the school. I even went overseas and led a big worship conference in Denmark, and it was an amazing time. But even during that season of my life, I'm still addicted to pornography. I'm still sleeping around, dating multiple people, um, and then... That's whenever Debbie and I actually started dating. So Debbie and I met in Master's Commission, yep. and um, then we got married there shortly after. So Debbie, even whenever she met me, she thought that she knew who she was marrying. She thought that she, um, I guess she thought I was a Christian, right? <laughs> yes, uh, did. Little did she know. <laughs> yep. what the don't let was. the worship leader confuse you. Don't, don't even. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, that, that guitar was just a means to an end. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I took all of that baggage, never having shared it with anyone. I mean, um, even the relations that I had with my dad, I, I never shared that up until just the past three years as yeah. it all really came out. Um, so we went into marriage with me carrying all of this, knowing how to hide, fully addicted, sex addict, you could say. Um, and then Debbie and I got married and she had no idea what she was stepping into. Mm -hmm. um, but your story is much different. Yes, my story is completely different. So I grew up... Um, my dad, my parents are pastors and I grew up in the church and, um, have known Jesus since I was five years old. And so I watched my older sister rebel. A different church than Gabriel grew <laughs> up in. Different. England, completely different church. Um, but watched my sister rebel in her teenage years. She's five years older than me. So I'm the middle child and I was like, okay, I don't want that kind of attention. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. So mm -hmm. I was a rule follower, did the right thing. Um, just had a genuine relationship with God my whole life. Um, I was very shy, and so for me, it was like he was 
the Holy Spirit and God was like my comfort. So I, I used, I kind of joke around that like, I've always loved God. I've never struggled with my relationship with him, but it's the humans that I struggle with. Mm, amen, sister. <laughs> because it's like, I Lord the people with everything, you know? Um, and mm. so coming to master's commission, I had never, I didn't know what pornography was. I didn't, my, my sex You didn't even know what it was in Masters? Crazy. I had no idea what pornography wow. was. No, I was very confused. We had to wear safety shirts to like, so that boys couldn't see our backs when we bent over. And I was very, I was like, why? What's the mm. problem? Because that little hairy patch back? on the lower back is just so <laughs> sexy. But someone explained to me, they're like, when a guy sees your lower back, like all the scenes they've ever seen before of like a girl in a bathing all suit, of them. like Every that single all one? just plays into their mind. And so I was like, okay. So, so, yeah, so just very innocent. Um, my sex education came from school. So, um, but having a Christian And school does such a good job at that. It was a great that. education. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I, my mindset of sex, of all of that kind of thing was very shameful. Like, it's something mm. that... Um, adults do, married couples do, you do not have sex before you get married, absolutely not. So I was very strong on those convictions, but also not recognizing that like sex was for pleasure. Like that whole, again, until the last three, four years, that whole side of sex, enjoying it and it not just being something you do for your husband was all like, yeah. that's what I thought sex was yeah. growing up. Yeah. So coming into master's yeah. commission in Bible school, just feeling like, oh yeah, there's this worship leader guy. I knew he was kind of a Mildly rebel, attractive. Like, <laughs> very attractive. <laughs> he he did, he did have that like bad boy vibe. Yeah, I did. But still yeah, in Bible school. So I feel like I was drawn to that. Like in England, there had never been a guy like this, you know? There's so, never been a guy. Because all the good ones left 400 years ago. Peace oh. out, UK. <laughs> and so I... I, yeah, so he was the first guy to ever really pursue me. And I think that's what really drew me in because he just was pretty relentless about pursuing me. I told him we would never date. That was like the first, one of the first conversations. Yeah. I was like, you yeah. amazed. You and I would like, never we'll date. We'll never be together. And, yeah. and of course game, I heard game on. And that was know? game on for him. So he yeah. hardcore pursued me for about nine months. Mm -hmm. um, and we got married and we, we dated on and off for a while yeah. and then got married right after our third year. Well, yeah. thankfully got married. So all those issues just reset at marriage, right? Oh, like, no. None of that yeah. follows you. You get married. Yeah. Boom, yeah. So let's just go ahead and get that. So, so the lie, one of the lies that you can believe is that you're going to get married so you can have just endless amounts of sex and then the addiction will just carry there and you won't do it with anyone else that's yeah. not true at all yeah yeah so so all of those things from marriage i mean from my, from prior to marriage just carried right over yeah um and, you know, I, I tell Debbie this now, but the reason why I married Debbie was to have sex with her. She was the only girl that I ever pursued that told me no. Yeah. That the only way that I could sleep with her <laughs> yeah, was right? if we had sex with each other. And I was like, okay, I can check that box. And so going into marriage, of course, my relationship with the Lord is nil. Right. And I'm highly addicted to sex and pornography. And now I've done it with Debbie enough times to where it's like, well, it's not just about the sex anymore. So yeah. now what else? Yeah. And so yeah. there, so for the first year of our marriage, I was sleeping around. I was sleeping with women and it wasn't until December 27th of 2006. We'd been married now for just over a year yeah. and it was a Wednesday night and a pastor preached a message called crossing over at a little home church that we started attending. And something about that message radically changed my life. It was the night that God introduced himself to me in a very real way. It was yeah. as if he made himself manifest before me. I could feel his light coming into me. It was like God, God is real, tangible yeah. presence of God. And as a result, that's the way I talk about his light coming in me. Everything that was going on inside, I could not keep it in anymore. I had to get it out. And so what that led to was that night after service, I went right up to my pastor and my best friend at the time. And I started confessing. I said, hey, I've been doing this for the past year of my marriage with Debbie. I've been doing this and this and this. And my best friend with tears in his eyes looks at me and he says, Gabriel, I love you. And we're going to walk through this together. And right whenever he got done saying that, my pastor looked at me and he corrected him and said, actually, that's not correct. Gabriel, we can have nothing to do with you. And if you keep this up, we're going to have to remove you from our church body. And so... 
at the time I didn't recognize what had happened in that moment. But what I learned in that moment was this is not a safe place. Yep. So whenever I confess something, I'm going to be met with discipline and punishment and shame. Yeah. Um, but my best friend had gotten it right. He just didn't know it. He had met me with love and compassion and grace. And But what that did is now everything went back inside. Yeah. From that point yeah. forward, no more physical affairs, but the addiction to pornography was still very much there. It, it Pornography didn't leave me until three years ago, and we'll talk about up to that yeah. moment. But yeah. I, I went to Debbie there after church that night and was like, hey, this is what's going on. Yeah, and that for me was like, I, I mean, the I... I knew things were off. Like a lot of times people say, oh, I kind of knew something was off. But the fact that he was actually having affairs was like so far beyond what I could Mm -hmm. comprehend happening. Um, I fell to the ground and and wept. Um, And it was like, it was almost like all that innocence that I had was just like gone in that Mm. moment. Because I really did not think that that was a possibility. And so recognizing that about him... Um, was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking. But very shortly after that, um, the people that were pastoring us at that time moved us into their house. And they, uh, we did this whole ceremony where I wrote out all the ways that I was hurt and we burned those ashes. And then it was like, okay, if you extend forgiveness to Gabriel, then you can no longer bring it up. (laughs) So it's done and we're we're moving on. And so for me, at that same time where he is feeling like, okay, I, it's, this isn't a safe place for me to confess. I'm feeling like, oh, well, because I said I forgive you, now I can't bring it up again. Wow. Like, I have to just move on. Yeah. Um, which, looking back on it now, we're like, oh my gosh, we would never counsel someone in that. Right. Sure. Um, but that was where we were at. Yeah. And so pretty much for the next 10 years. 10 years. We kind of went around this mountain. We moved to different places. We had different um, positions, worship leader, pastors. But pornography was something that would kind of rear up. Mm-hmm. I would usually find it, find it on a laptop, and I would say, what is happening? And he would confess. We would pray. I would try and keep him accountable. And he would do well for a while. The dust would settle. At least she would, thought I was doing and well. And then it would come yeah. back again. You know, it was just this mountain that I felt we kept going around mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah, totally. So, and then that led, like, for the next 10 years, um, right towards we're going to get to a big, like, moment here in a second. But <laughs> yes, what, what, we are. Yes, we are. But what that led us to was Debbie and I eventually went to um, the Chicagoland area and planted a church together with mm-hmm. our best friends. And... You know, I started some businesses and we sold it and then we moved up and okay, what are we going to do now? And they had already had a Bible study that was happening and they invited us to come and, hey, let's plant a church. So I thought, why not? Let's move up there. We need something to do. So we moved up to Illinois and we planted a church together. And still, I'm going to keep coming back to this. This entire time, I'm really addicted to pornography. Yeah. You know, but God was still using us. Yeah. It was crazy. I think that's, you know, his grace and his mercy in our life. We saw God move powerfully and... Um, the worship sets were through the roof and the words that were coming were awesome. People were getting saved and filled with the spirit. And, you wow. know, God's name was being further. It was awesome. Yeah. The kingdom of God was expanding. Um, uh, but during that time, of course, I'm still having this addiction. So, I mean, like even on a Sunday morning before a service, I'd be getting ready to preach and to lead worship. I would go to the bathroom. I'd get my pornography masturbation fix. Wow. And then I would go lead worship and preach. So yeah. no one even knew what was going on here. I just just carried it. And I was too scared to confess it also. Yeah. And we had no tools at that time too. like anytime someone would come to us with you know, pornography issues or anything like that. Like we tell them to pray in the spirit. Like we genuinely, and like the verse, (laughs) like where Paul, Paul says, forget what is behind and move on. Like anytime anything came up in, in, inside of someone, there was no counseling. There was no like help. It was like, just forget what's behind and let's press on and do God's work. So it was very much all based on continuing to do God's work, Mm -hmm. but not being a healthy individual. Well, and I think what you just said, Gabriel, is a lot of people relate to and a lot of people that are in it and people that aren't don't understand. Like, how could you look at porn before you go preach and worship? Right. That feels for people that have don't understand it or haven't experienced that. That's like, wow, like spitting in the face of God. Or I can only imagine some of the things that would be said about that. 
you know, I, I, I know we're not meant to do that, but speak to that for a second, because I think there's, I, I've talked to so many men that are like, I don't, I'm willing to do things that don't make sense. And I almost don't care. And I don't care that I don't care. That's a statement I hear right. a lot. Right. You know, maybe you're going to address that. You know, we're going to talk about in a second, you know, our, our what we're going to create afterwards yeah. that people have the opportunity to yeah. do. Um, but I think that's a big piece there mm-hmm. that yeah. people don't always understand in marriage. Well, you know, and <laughs> what we have come to learn is that the reason why those behaviors tend to take place is because they were learned behaviors from your childhood. Yeah. They, yeah. There was something traumatic happened or you were introduced something and in that moment you did not know what was happening or how to overcome it or that really even what you were doing was bad. Yeah. So you you get yeah. these learned behaviors and carry them all the way up into adulthood and it's a full-blown addiction. Yeah. And it burns and out your consciousness. And it, burn, it burns it out. Too. Yeah, it's, it's a, a comfort. comfort. It's I am so stressed right now about getting up and having to lead worship and deliver mm. a word. I'm about to exhaust myself. The only way that I knew how to kind of release that or take care of myself or lower that anxiety was to go and get a quick little... It was your stress management since you were a kid. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was was my way of comforting myself. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) We're just going to leave that. No pun intended. No pun intended. So... It is true. Yeah. yeah, For some people, it could be food. There's all different ways that we learn to comfort ourselves or to lower our stress levels. And most of it does for me, if anything I've learned through this whole process is anywhere in someone's life where there's that disconnection, where there is a behavior that Mm. is negative. I I would say nine and a half times out of 10, it's related to some kind of childhood pain. The way you learn to deal with something that you need to go back Mm -hmm. and deal with. So So anyway, so we're in the Chicagoland area and been in the church now for three years. And towards the end of our season there, our leadership and our oversight within that community started to become more and more controlling. And that's a story within of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But um, they Church were, leaders controlling? Church leaders controlling. <laughs> no, right? It's crazy. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, there came a point where Debbie and I were asked to essentially give everything, like give up everything that we had to continue pastoring inside of this church environment. And that meant things like time and money and businesses, but basically just all of our savings. And one of the things they actually asked of us is they said, if you want to continue pastoring here in a church that we help plant, um, your life savings, all your money, you need to put in the middle of the pot and we're going to all start collecting the same amount. We're going to take on this new Acts 2 kind of a movement. Everybody has all things in common. Yeah. So, And we were given a 24-hour ultimatum because um, Debbie and I at the time were making a good deal of money. And they said, listen, if you want to continue doing this and you want to follow the call of God on your life, then give us this, your money. Give us your money. <laughs> So Debbie and I had a massive argument, but the next day we, we agreed, um, we relented and we said, okay, we'll do this. So we began the process of giving things over and that was just a grueling process. But in that moment, something inside of me died because there was this part of me that really enjoys growing a business, building a business. Um, but there's also this call of God in our life. So it was always this, you know, these things, tension, they work together. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back on it now and I've had a chance to process, I look at that moment as that's the moment when I started to fall apart again. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I was running a business with another couple and me and the girl, we started engaging in inappropriate conversations with each other. Um, and we let each other know that we were attracted to each other. And so we ended up going on a family vacation with this couple. And on that vacation, I ended up sleeping with this girl on the trip there for a week. Uh, Debbie's prophetic. So she, she pretty much knows everything all the time. Yeah. So at the end of this trip on Saturday morning, I'll never forget it. It's quite the crescendo to the story, by the way. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. So on this Saturday morning, Debbie wakes me up. It's like, what, 5? 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Pulls me into the bathroom. and I'm scared. I'm like, I thought something had happened. And she's like, something's going on. I don't know what it is. Um, she had found a semi-flirtatious message between me and this girl, but it was mm-hmm. easily talked yeah, away. Super dismissible. Super dismissible. And so we're engaging in this conversation, and I find myself like straight up lying to Debbie. Um, and... The conversation went on for what, maybe 10 or 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. And it got to the end, and I'm like, I can't lie to you right now. Here's the truth. This week, I slept with this girl twice. And she is ticked. Can I say pissed? She was very upset, right? Um, That is mild compared to what I might say. 
and we're inside the same house as this family. Yep. So we're on the third store, their story, they're on the second story, and then there's like a community level below. Debbie goes out to the beach and she is just like screaming. I can mm-hmm. hear her screaming from the yeah. third story. I, I go outside. I literally was in that moment. I was like, I'm going to run out into the ocean right now and kill myself. And the only reason I didn't is because I was like, I have three, I have four kids. But a six month old. Yeah. Joby was a few months old. And I like, that's literally the only reason I didn't just jump into yeah. the ocean. So I just, yeah, it was like the kids, the kids, I can't leave them. I can't leave them. So then I, then I was running back towards the house and he had caught up to me at that time and I to kick him or punch oh, him punched or... him screamed at him I and now and honestly in a way though I had been so like everything's gonna be fine so like I felt like I had to ever since that beginning of our marriage yeah. I forgave him I could never bring it up so I was so shut mm-hmm. down even yeah. physically and not a lot hadn't allowed myself to feel anything that that was I feel like the first step for me to actually let out my pain and let out what he had done to me mm-hmm. and so I wailed on him and yeah, he just did. took it like he just stood and took mm-hmm. whatever I Whatever and it still wasn't enough in that moment. Woo. Definitely not. But I didn't feel like that in the moment. No, yeah. I did not. So what that led to is Debbie had asked me to confess it to our oversight and to the other co-pastors I was pastoring with. Yeah. And I told Debbie, I'm like, I'll, I'll tell them. But as soon as we tell them, they're going to have nothing to do with me. They're going to bring up first Corinthians and they're going to have nothing to do. Debbie didn't believe that at the time. Yeah. I thought that they would have grace. on. Did they have grace? Yeah. yeah. And, and help us work and through help it. You, yeah. Yep. yeah. So instead of flying back home, we actually flew to South Texas to go yeah. visit the oversight. And um, my pastor of 10 years, we ended up confessing to them and they did exactly what we had thought they were going to do. So, uh, but they took it way further. So they ended up telling me they could have nothing to do with me. Um, they separated me and Debbie, and then they drove us from South Texas up to the Chicagoland area. And that whole drive, um, I was, I was basically tore apart. Like, yeah. um, I was worthless, you know, how could I do this? There wasn't any like <laughs> encouragement or it's going to be okay. No, it's and like, so we should stone you literally. Yeah. Yeah. We should stone you. So by the time we got up to the they Chicago, yeah. So, yeah. So by the time we got back up to Chicago, they had already had one-on-one conversations with everyone in the church. And we had some people that were living with us that were from the church and they had moved out. And that night I got invited to go over to one of the, um, let's see, it was one of the co-pastors homes and all of the elders and the pastors and the oversight one by one went and and told me how I had hurt them, what I did wrong. Uh, one person even said, are you going to take Debbie down with you? Um, and then they said a little short prayer and said, okay, after tonight, um, we can't have anything to do with you. Please don't contact any of the sheep. And based on how you behave for 18 months, uh, we will consider having a relationship with you again. So I left that place. I went home. By the time I'd gotten there, they had told Debbie I wasn't allowed to sleep at the house. And so I packed a little bag and slept in my car outside that night. And then I did the next day the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Did you want to say yeah. anything else? Yeah, I think during that? that process. So immediately, Gabriel obviously... Um, was apologetic for what he had done. Um, he had asked if he could speak to the church, you know, and be the one to yeah. tell the church. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't able to do that. They wouldn't let him talk to anyone at all. So no one ever actually got to hear from him about how he yeah. felt about it, if he was repentant, what had yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, for me, the the day after I found out, God told me, Debbie, I'm going to give you a new husband, whether that's Gabriel and he changes or someone else. Hmm. So from the beginning, I got a word from (laughs) either way. I was like, in my head, I'm like, either way, God's taking care of me. Mm -hmm. I know that he's going to take care of me through this process. And you heard him say it. I don't know if I could hear that. Mm. <laughs> and so I, I I held on to that word. But the, the situation that I was in was that I knew because of the pornography, because of having gone around this mountain for yeah. So, yeah. so long, I knew that he had very deep and serious things that he needed to work on. So I knew it wasn't healthy for us to be around each other. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he needed to go get help wherever help was. Yeah. And so I knew, I was like, we cannot be in the same house. So yeah. you need to go take care of yourself. Yeah. I don't, I was very vague. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with us. I don't know if there's hope for our marriage. I know you need to go get help. Yeah. You need to go be healthy and I'll, I'll, um, yeah. I'll take care of the kids yeah. and be here. 
So yeah. Yep. So that led to me doing one of the most difficult things I ever had to do, and that was sit in front of my kids and tell them that dad had messed up. Yeah. And how old was Grayson? Your oldest. Grayson would have been eight. Wow. Eight or nine, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So yep. from eight to like a infant infant yeah she mm-hmm. was six months old. yeah um so i told grayson and darby and deacon and jovi and you know grayson of course is bawling his eyes out he yeah. gives he me he had just what's happening. Yeah. yeah he had just built a lego so he gave me a lego uh, my daughter darby drew a picture of us together to give to me my son deacon with tears in his eyes he had a cape with his name on the back of it he gave me a cape and just asked that i wouldn't forget his name um, oh. And then my daughter, uh, Jovi, I took a blanket with me. Yeah. And I said goodbye and actually recorded as I was backing out of the driveway. I still have it on film, uh, just recording. Oh you can hear me say, what have I done? Like, what have I done? And I'm backing out, and my kids are all waving, bawling, yeah. and and I leave. And in this moment, this is whenever God kind of intervenes and hope gets injected into our story. Mm. Um, so just before all of this went down, I had met a gentleman and he was another businessman in the local area, completely removed from my life, and we go to lunch. And at this lunch, he starts telling me about his marriage and the affair that he had, how God redeemed it. And wow. as he's sharing this with me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you something. So I've been having some conversations with this girl, and his advice to me was, Gabriel, you need to just run away. But if crap hits the fan and you blow your life up, you need to give me a call. <laughs> and, so I, and so I just happened to remember that. But if that. you don't listen to me, yep. hit I'll me. Yeah. Not my digits. So, so I had just, I remembered wow. that. And so I gave him a call. And his name is Greg Francis. And I called Greg and I said, Greg, well, I blew my life up. Crap, I hit the fan. And he's like, you need to come over to my house right now. So I was on my way to go what to my mom's. What a different, sorry, but what Completely a different response. Different. Go away. Yeah. No, come here. Yeah. Now, granted, at the uh, same time, too, the other people, I had hurt them before 10 years prior with what I had done. Yeah. Right. So they, and the Bible does say only forgive people twice. Exactly. Oh my gosh. You said that, not me. Anyways. So Greg invites me over and he's like, I was on my way to my mom's because I was now reduced to nothing. I'm going to go move in with my mom in Oklahoma. And he invites me over and I get to his land and he gives me two things. First off, he gives me a hug, tells me he loves me, wants to help me through this. He gives me a thousand dollars cash to help me get to, oh, because um, we have no money. We have, I have zero money. Please give it all away. I've given yep. it all away. And he gives me a book called Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. And in the very first part, yeah, and in the very first part of that book, Danny is, is, is talking about a redemption story yeah. Yeah. and how the church handles these types of situations. And I'd never heard any of yeah. this before. Mm-hmm. So driving back to Oklahoma, of course, I had lots of things to process. Suicidal thoughts like my life is over. What am I going to do? And so Debbie and I then separated for five months and I'm living in Oklahoma and she's living in Chicago. And then we began the journey of healing, both as individuals and then God miraculously bringing our marriage back together, like crazy miracles happening. Hey guys, if you're like me, then you learn best through interaction. And if that's the case, then the 40 day journey to purity is for you. This is 40 days of amazing content written on the topics of sexuality, sex, relationships, dating, all of those amazing topics that I know you have questions on. And for each day, there are interactive videos and questions. So it's really in depth. You guys should definitely check it out at morerevolution.com and get yours today. So when all of that went down, um, the plan originally was for me to stay with that those pastors and that church. They would take care of me, and um, Gabriel was was off doing his own thing. Um, I felt super strongly that even if like whether it's Ga- this new Gabriel or this new man, like I there's things inside of me that led to this. Um, and so I want to get as healthy as I can be in order to heal and move past this situation so that I can be healthy for whatever God has for me next. So definitely codependency was one of the massive things mm. that I had to deal with inside of myself. Obviously my heart healing. But over the course of the next few weeks, we have all these meetings about Gabriel and the church and what's going to happen. Because originally I was going to stay on leadership. Um, but during those meetings, I just started to get this really weird sense that things Things were not handled like I already felt like kicking Gabriel out I'm like okay that feels maybe like not God but okay um, and in one of the meetings the the main pastor said Debbie you're called to be a pastor's wife and Gabriel will never be a pastor again so we need to hurry up and find you a new husband 
And in that moment, I was like, like it's like, go to the store. I was yeah. like, wait, this is wrong. Like something is off. And God said to me, Debbie, I want you to look for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So in every meeting that we had, I'm just looking around and seeing the way that they're talking about him, the way that they're talking about other people and just the behavior. And I was like, I don't see the fruit of the spirit here. What the heck? Like I've, and it was like, my eyes were open to it. So I actually decided shortly, I was about six weeks. I decided to just not be a part of that church and just kind of go off. And I was like, me and the kids are just going to stay. And uh, I'm going to have God help us. Which was absolutely terrifying for me. Right. And it was interesting too. And what was so interesting is that everyone thought, oh, she's just going back to Gabriel. Like she's Mm -hmm. just, he's Uh, he's manipulated her. He's convinced her. But we're not talking. But I I actually, there was a three week time period when I was making this decision where I called him and I said, I don't want you to call me. Don't talk to me. I need to make this decision. I need to seek God on this. And miraculously, God had already had my parents fly in from England and they were with me for that first three weeks. Like it was planned a year prior and we had no idea. So I had them with me during that time. All right. Two things from what you said that we got to pause on. Um, You know, when we've talked about this before, you know, this time you kind of brushed over the fruit of the spirit thing. That's a big piece. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it'd be cool for you to explain that a little bit more because that is really powerful and profound. Mm-hmm. The way that the revelation you got from God and how you were looking for that. Mm. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, obviously knowing God for a long time, my whole life, it's like I know the behaviors. I know how to act as a Christian. And the same thing with it. It's like my mind is like, wow, you can be a Christian and be doing all kinds of stuff, you know? Mm. And so when he told me to look for the fruit of the spirit, like I just didn't see love in their behavior. I didn't see um, patience and kindness. Like, where's the kindness? I get that someone's hurt you. And I'm like, at one point in a meeting, I was like, hello, I'm the most hurt person in the room. Like I'm the one that my life has just blown up. I can still show kindness. I can still show like, hey, I'm going to, pr- there's boundaries, right? She may be the best human. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm telling you. There's boundaries, right? You put in place boundaries so you don't get hurt again. I definitely wasn't like, hey, come on over. Let's hang out. Yeah. But there's no, you have no excuse to not show kindness to people. Someone who's hurt you that much. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you show kindness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. I, so, okay. Another thing, Debbie, that you said yeah. that I think... You said it, and I am like, whoa, I think other people probably were. You're like, what What do I need to work on, or how did I contribute to this? Yeah. Let's just call it for what it is. If this, If we're talking about somebody that I don't know that's not my friend now, mm-hmm. I'm like cussing at you for saying something like that. Like, yeah. what do you mean what you've done? Yeah. What you've done is showed up, parented your kids, been a great wife, and this idiot yeah. goes and, you know, so, I mean, that's... You got to speak to that a little bit more than just yeah. brush over that because that's, that's a big piece. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It was, I mean, that was honestly revelation from God. Um, I knew, I, I mean, the, I knew that the pain that I carried, I would bring, you hear all the time, right? If someone has a terrible situation, they just bring, they think I'm going to get married to someone else and mm. that's going to fix it. But you bring the pain that you've been through into that next marriage. So I knew, it's like, this is my preparation for whatever God has for me next. I don't want to carry all this baggage into my next relationship. I want to be the healthiest I can be. Because if I'm codependent with him and he's able to smooth talk me and he's able to say, oh, don't worry about that. Well, whoever I marry next, that's, they're going to be able to do the same thing. So I knew, it's like, I need to be healthy, independent of myself. I need to be the healthiest human I can be. And also be able to trust if it was going to be a new husband, be able to trust. And in order to be able to trust someone else, I knew I had to heal from the pain that he had caused me to. And in that process was when I was like, oh, wow, I was crazy codependent. Like, I felt yeah. like if he was angry, I I always felt like it was my fault. Even with the whole idea of like, oh, you know, something's off. Like a lot of women who have husbands that struggle with pornography will say like, I just feel like something's off. And you go to your husband and it's like, hey, is there something off? And they're like, oh, no, everything's fine. I had turned off that like... Uh, discernment essentially I I had learned he's telling me everything's fine so mm-hmm. I must be the one that's crazy I must be the wow. one that's just looking into things so now knowing okay if I ever feel like something's off 
Yeah. I know something's totally. up. Yeah. And I just, and so even in that moment when I was asking him about what was going on, in my head I was like, I'm going to keep asking him until he tells me the truth because I really don't think that I'm going to trust it this time. Mm. Yeah. 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 And so I just kept going after. So for me, I I would put the kids in bed at eight o'clock at night and I would, we had an actual walk-in closet at the time and I would go in there and I would pray and put on worship music. And that was my time, like from eight o'clock to 10 PM, just to be able to make it through. Some t- sometimes I just cried and listened to worship music the whole time. Um, but it was really for me in those in that season of really focusing on God and receiving healing from me, wow. from me that I knew he was preparing me from, yeah. for whatever was next. Wow. Okay, next question. Yeah. Do you ever miss not having a walk-in closet anymore? <laughs> yes, Because you do. say at this time, I know you guys have a super I cute know. house. We do. I, I do wish, because I, I think being an introvert too, like, Having my own little cave to go to, I wish I did. Have yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, I was say, yeah. So as Debbie was going on her healing journey, I was on a completely different healing journey, yeah. living yeah. with my mom. So I had to do things like go back to my childhood and face my childhood self. I had to go back and revisit the moment that I was introduced to porn, and you know they call it a sozo in this environment, but invite the Lord into that moment. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned how to do whenever I was separated from Debbie was I learned um, the power of meditation. I learned how to meditate, what it actually means to meditate on the word, to actually Mm -hmm. sit down and focus on a moment and allow the Lord to heal me. And so that began to change me. I began to act different. You know, every other weekend I would drive back up and Debbie would let me take the kids for the weekend and Greg would give me one of his houses to stay in so I could actually take him somewhere. And Who is this Greg guy? He's like Greg, an angel. Just he, is, like... he is one of the yes. best men on the planet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then slowly but surely conversations started to yep. pick back up between me and Debbie. I told her that I was going to man up in this moment. I was not going to do to my kids what my real father had done to me. Wow. At the very least, I was not going to leave and abandon my kids. Yeah. Yep. Called them every night. Yeah. Um, I told Debbie if you, cause she then told me that she was choosing to stay in the house. So I'm like, okay, I'll figure out how to pay for rent. I have no idea I'm going to do that, but I will support you wherever you want to go. Yeah. And so then I ended up moving back up to the Chicago land okay. area. And I, and it's really important. There were certain things along the way that were like highlighted to me. So originally him being repentant right away was like, okay, I see Mm, that he wants to own this. And then also, as we went through the process, he called the kids every single night. He would be like, I just want to come. How about you stay in bed? I'll come over. I'll wake the kids up. I'll feed them breakfast and I'll take them to school. So in that time frame, just seeing how... Things he probably didn't do when you were living together. No, definitely not. Definitely not. We were in the whole, like before it was like... Like, Debbie, you take care of the kids. Like, he hadn't changed any of the other kids' diapers. And here he is offering to change diapers, come over and do laundry, just serving me. And I, and that was when I started to see, okay, mm-hmm. this is a different person hmm. because Gabriel would not have done those things before. Very true. <laughs> so and, so and during that, that uh, sorry, during that season apart, Debbie and I are both diving into the same content. Yeah. So without I, knowing, without, without knowing, without knowing, yeah. so no I'm idea. like consuming Bethel's content, like the, the supernatural ways of royalty. That those are revelations and teachings I'd never heard before. Yeah. yeah, you know, hearing that God is actually good, He's in a good mood, He loves me all the time. Like yeah. those types of things were never talked about, preached about. So we're learning new things about the Lord right. independently of each other. And then one day we got together for coffee, yeah. and I felt like the Lord had told me that. I need to move out to Bethel. Something about moving out to Reading. I feel like I'm supposed to go move out. And I come to coffee prepared to tell Debbie this. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to move out to Reading. Wow. And I did. I shared that with her. Yep. And little did I know what was going to happen after yeah, I told her that. Yeah, and so I, God had told me in my closet times, I want you to listen to the Bethel podcast. We had never, we had done Bethel worship music. I had never heard of Chris or Bill or anyone at Bethel. Never read any of the books. And so I started You'd listening. heard of Cole and Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I just started listening to the teachings. And for me, the idea that you can be healthy now... That you're supposed to actually deal with the things that you've been mm. through in the past. And God can actually heal you from those things. Wow. We're all just completely transformational totally. to me. Yeah. And so I met with, uh, I had one friend in my neighborhood and I met with her and I said, I'm meeting with Gabriel for coffee tomorrow and I'm going to tell him that I'm going to move the kids to Reading and go to bed. <laughs> so we sit across from each other having 
I mean, we had talked a handful of times over the five months. Neither of us knew what each other was learning or going through. And he said to me, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Reading and uh, be a part of Bethel. And I was like, I just told my friend that yesterday. I was coming to tell you this. And that just shows the goodness of God. Like in his grace, he's working on our behalf because he wants our marriage. It's like, you know, what God has brought together, let no man separate. Because it's his desire for marriages to stay together. He wants to keep the family unit intact. And so anything that opposes that, I'm not so sure that it's of the Lord. Yeah. Um, And so then I remember one night, it's in January, I'm at the house cooking a filet. I just got done making dinner. Well, you're, you're skipping oh, over you want here to skip some stuff? because okay. I think that it's really important they know it wasn't like, Oh sweet. We're both. Let's get back together. No, heck <laughs> that no. was not the case. Yeah, it was true. very much a, okay. So we, I see that God's moving us in the same direction. Let me see if this guy is really different. So it's very much the analogy of like, I'm going to crack the door open and be like, oh, hey, I see you there. Nice to see you. We're going to talk. And slowly but surely, I opened the door more and let him have more interaction. So we decided to go to marriage counseling. We were living separately. Mm -hmm. He moved back up to the area that we were in but lived with someone else. Yeah. And we went to marriage counseling while living separately for a few months. At yeah, first. and and in my heart and in my mind, I genuinely believed, especially when this happened, that Debbie and I's marriage was done. Yeah, I did. I did not have any expectation of her and I getting back together. And so, as we're going through this marriage counseling and working out our relationship, it is not in my mind that we're going to get back together right now. Like I'm thinking, this is going to be a very long road. Yeah, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I've got yeah. no idea what's going on inside of Debbie's heart and mind. Yeah. I'm not trying to manipulate. Or control anything. I'm just going to serve and just kind of see Which how it all plays out. Which was the first I'd ever yep. ha- heard of him not trying to control and be in charge. <laughs> so now so I knew now, he was different. Now yes, can I say it? Yes. <laughs> so, so I remember one night, um, and we're going to wrap it up here real quick. So I remember uh, one night I'm at the house, just got done making dinner, and I think I'm doing dishes, and Debbie walks over to me and she says, so are you ready to move back in? And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, yeah. absolutely. Now, of course, I moved back into a separate bedroom. Just give a quiet yes. Right? <laughs> right? And, and I wasn't allowed to. The, the marriage bed took some time. Yes, right? Which is something we're going to talk about in our little two-part class. Um, but, yeah, so she asked me to move back in. And Debbie still knew. Like, I'm now at this point, I'm like, I don't care. I'm sharing everything about everything. Yeah. So she knew I was addicted to pornography. She knew I was still very uh-huh. much struggling with that. Yep. And it wasn't until February 9th of 2017. I'm in the bathroom doing my deal. And is it 2000? What deal were you doing? No, 2006. No, seven. I know. Is this the brush teeth? 2006. Oh, right. Yeah. No, Looking at porn. Pornography deal. Pornography deal. And it was the day before my birthday. And just like in all gentleness, the Lord said, Gabriel, if you don't want to do this anymore, you don't have to. And that was the last time I looked at pornography and I haven't looked at it since then. And so it's still a journey that I'm going on with the Lord and redemption and healing on a path right now of reconciliation. Um, And so Debbie and I got back together, um, sold everything, moved onto a school bus. (laughs) You guys can go check out our Instagram to see all of that. When we met you, you were living on a school bus. We were living on a school bus. We did, yeah. We took our kids on a crazy adventure and we sold it, redid a school. We sold everything that we had and we came out to Reading. How long did you stay on the, the school bus for? Almost two years. Almost two years. Almost two years, yeah. (laughs) Almost two years. So, and what's crazy about that is we actually landed in Reading on our anniversary. So, August 14th, 2016. 2016, we landed here in Reading. And so now we've just been on this journey for the past three years in this incredible environment, meeting incredible friends that have helped us. And you guys know this, whenever I first came, I'm like... Here's my story. I had an affair. I, I got kicked out of like church. Two, it's no, one or two. It was our first Because I was like, I was so terrified of rejection. I was like, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way right now. Yeah. And if you want to reject hey, me, hey, we're then, talking to the moral revolution directors. Right. Why yeah. do you care about my past? I didn't care about you. I didn't know who anybody was. Or I was just here because I was on a journey to get healed, yeah. and yes. our marriage was yep. hanging on by a thread. And so we came here to just... Not even a thread. It was probably... just... That thread was cut. We were in the rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, we were having sex again by that time. So that was a good thing. Good to know. (laughs) Well, you know what I think? We we do have to wrap up. A couple things. I mean, what's so powerful is it's like there was healthy boundaries. Yeah. Like how long were you guys apart? Five months. Six months total. Yeah. And the boundaries for the first time, Debbie... She had said, Gabriel, don't call me. Don't talk to me mm-hmm. for three weeks. 
Yes. A weekend, I called her, put it to the test, and she said, because you called, the timer resets. Another three weeks. Just like our children on timeouts. And I'm like, dang it. So, yes, definitely boundaries. Well, I think, but but what's so cool is there's boundaries, and yet there's a road to restoration. Like, that's the thing I think the church hasn't done a great job of. We're great at the boundaries. Yes, we are. We haven't really given a clear, hey, there's not really a chance of redemption, actually. There's not a clear chance of that. Um, All right, so we got to wrap up. I mean, I love hearing you guys' story. It's just, I don't know how many times, but I love it. Thank you guys for being open with it. What we've asked them to do is actually put this together in like a mini class. Like, okay, what's the how-tos? How do I recover my marriage right. if yeah. it's falling apart? Whether, mm-hmm. I mean, Gabriel's past in childhood is very extreme. Yeah. You know, maybe it's extreme. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's on the verge to crumbling. But, man, there's some how-tos that have got you guys to where you're at from oh, yeah. where you were yeah. that are significant, that yeah. will give a lot of life and yeah. breathe a lot of redemption, give a road to redemption to people. Yeah. So we're going to put together a mini how-to class, like how-to recovery, moralrevolution.com forward slash recovery. Yeah. What are some of these practical things you guys are going to put into this? <laughs> One of the things we're going to walk you through is, Actually, how do you have sex after an affair? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like reintroducing the marriage bed mm-hmm. after something like yeah. this happens? So yeah. just some practical Huge. steps for that. Yeah, and for me, like, how I actually got to the point of forgiveness. Like, what did I do to go through that process to be able to even be around him again and to be able to show forgiveness to him? Yeah, and, and the steps that we're going to put together, too, are the steps that we took. Yeah. That we think that if other people would have take the same wins, it would work. Yeah. Um, but there's a different journey for everyone. Yeah. We're just yes. going to show you how. how they're not clinical. They're not, psych- they're not psychological. Clinical. Nope. This isn't like coming from a doctor. This right. is your no, guys' story and great. the proof's in the right. pudding. That's yeah. exactly right. And I think some really deep questions that people are scared of asking. Yeah. Um, we're going to answer some of those questions because the answers aren't out there because yeah. no one's totally. asking yeah. the Yeah. And even for people who it's their issue is just, they would say, oh, it's just pornography. Yeah. Like I'm not to the point of affair yet. Well, the, the things that Gabriel has done and the healing that he has found he found freedom from pornography yeah. through this process. And so yeah. even if they're just going around the mountain yeah, right. of like never getting free, you know, the practical steps that Gabriel took yep. for healing have been able to, yep. to do that for him. So and good. for the spouse, the practical steps of how do I interact during that like, that mm-hmm. mountain. Yeah, right. Because you're just Travel. like handle it like a boss. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. So it's going to be an amazing <laughs> follow-up how-to class, moralrevolution.com forward slash recovery. Show notes. It'll be in the show yeah. notes. You yeah. Find the link it. down in the show notes. We want to get this resource out to everybody. Yes. Thanks guys for having me. Thank you guys. We love you guys. Thanks for sharing it again. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn more and check out all of our awesome content, be sure to head to our website at moralrevolution.com and our socials, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. But before you leave, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all of the things. We want you guys to come back and join us. We enjoyed having you. See you next time.